The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I am going to be there because I'm going to have to listen to you for three hours. You like it at Kirk Cousins? You don't like it at Kirk Cousins. Cool. G-Men. You're like one of those dolls with a string. You got eight different things you say, and you'll be saying them over and over again. Yeah, I'm glad I agreed to come up. <laughs> and he did say them over and over again Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, all week long. Chris Sims in Kansas City. Wow. Did you sign yeah. a contract with the Chiefs today? Are you the number three quarterback for the game on Saturday? Well, if I'm the number three quarterback, then they're fucked if it gets to me in the game. Okay. I can tell you that much. All right. <laughs> Let's just hey, start it hey, off that way. You're in an, <laughs> hey, hey. You're in an NFL team facility. They don't hear language like that there. Please, yeah. please, self-edit right. thyself. Right. Just so everybody knows, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a homer here, right? I just I got done with the Andy Reid interview. The Chiefs were nice That's enough to let us use. Bullshit. <laughs> right. That's your bedroom. <laughs> Go Chiefs, baby. It's the shrine. It is. It is cool. It is cool to be here. And uh, this is a funny setup for, for Divisional Weekend podcast right here. Yeah, well, hey, we do what we, ha- what we have to do to get it done, even though your routine's turned upside down because you're in Kansas City. My routine's turned upside down. This is about the time of day I would be sound asleep, so it's going to be a fight, uh, although I, I did already take my nap. I wasn't going to miss oh, my nap. I just had to move it around. He got his nap in. Here's, he got his nap in. <laughs> here, here, here's the problem. When I, when I take a nap early, I still get tired at the usual time I would be uh, taking a nap. It's pointless. <laughs> it's pointless to take an early nap because I'm wired to get tired at the same time every day. I sleep five hours a night, so I got to make it up somewhere. Or I'd be dead by now. All right, hopefully. Hey, well, you're going to get some juice Saturday, here. So we'll get going. We're going to have fun. And, you know, we'll good. be talking about. We'll be talking about the Vikings and then Kurt. Oh no, we won't. We'll be talking about the G Man. I'm glad I'm glad we're not talking about the Vikings this week because what we would be saying is the 49ers will kick the ever living shit out of the Vikings this week. That's what was going to happen. So crisis averted. Thank you, Vikings, for losing. By the way, by the way, I just saw before I came up here, and this is going to be an interesting thing that may or may not have some ripple effects. Patrick Peterson said on his podcast this week that when Kirk Cousins threw short of the sticks on Sunday, he just thought Kirk forgot what down it was. Ouch. Oh, my God. Ouch. That is, that's a little bit of a, so. a low blow. He did not forget what down it is. He's been aggressive all year long. He knew what it was. We talked about this. Dexter Lawrence was – I got a picture on my phone. I screenshot it. I mean, I he's hate- like this about to swallow him up. So he didn't have much of a chance other than what he did. We'll talk about Dexter Lawrence in a minute for now, though, and let's do a quick little recap. Even though you'll never catch me straight up or against the spread, you were 6-0 and straight up. I gave you your flowers for that when we were trying to fill the final two minutes of one of the editions of PFT Live Very this nice week, you. so you're welcome. Thank Best you. bets, it all came down to Cowboys versus Bucks against the spread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You beat me in all three categories. I always suck in the playoffs. And let me tell you something. I seriously considered this weekend 
picking every underdog, not just to cover, but to win. You'll find out as we go through this, whether and to what extent I relied on any underdogs, not just to cover, but to win. So let's start with the biggest spread of the week. The Jaguars at the Chiefs, fourth-seeded Jaguars, erased the 27-0 deficit, came back and beat the Chargers. Now it's Jags-Chiefs, eight-and-a-half-point favorites are the Kansas City Chiefs. Chris is in Kansas City, so he has to pick the Chiefs. 53 is the over-under. The real question is, do you pick the Chiefs to cover that spread? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of ways to think about this game, right? I mean, I think the first thing, you still got me. I kind of lost you in my shot here. I don't know what I did. I clicked off the screen, and I messed this up here. Um, I'm here. But you all right, you still see me, right? All right, good, good. I just got worried there for a minute. Unfortunately. But, yeah, you know, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I think the thing that, um, <laughs> you know, j- jumps out to me, there's two ways to think about this game, right, Mike? And we kind of hit on it a little bit during the week is like, hey, the Jaguars, they got nothing to lose. Nobody's expecting them to win this football game, right, in this environment. So that's always scary. I mean, that scares every team. I was just out at practice with the Chiefs a little bit, and there was a coach or two who who brought that aspect up. But I do think there's the other aspect, Mike, that you know I think you'll agree with, to where you go, wait, wait, uh, do, do the Jaguars know what they're about to step into, too, right? I know they got a little taste of Kansas City in the regular season, but you know this is a different animal we're talking about as well. And I'm very interested to see that psychology of that. One, they're coming up to Kansas City. It's going to be cold as hell. Two, the stadium, as you know, and we've discussed this a lot, playoff football, the stadium, it's going to be different than it was in the regular season. And three, so is the team that you're playing across the field. They're going to be different. They're going to be on their A game. Emotions are going to be as high as it can be. And that's the other part of this where, yeah, they could be loose, but I also wonder whether they might get out there and go, whoa, I didn't realize this is what kind of intensity it takes to be a Super Bowl team. So I don't know. What's your thoughts on that, Mike? That's like one of my, my first thoughts. I know it's not X's and O's, but I am intrigued by it. Well, and I think it's a real factor when you're talking about winner-take-all, season-on-the-line type atmosphere. I saw earlier this week Trevor Lawrence said he can't imagine Arrowhead Stadium being any louder than it was in Jacksonville on Saturday night. And that made me think someone must have really spiked his Waffle House syrup from Saturday night, maybe with – liquefied mushrooms I don't know because yes it will be ridiculously loud and yes it will be an intimidating presence one of the things about Jacksonville on Saturday night at the outset of the game during the pregame show Rodney Harrison was pointing out how dead it was in there now it may have picked up once it looked like the Jaguars were going to come back and win the game but it's still nothing like Arrowhead where it's routinely above 100 decibels and the stakes are as high as they've ever been for most of these Jaguars players I am a firm believer though in that one seed being in jeopardy. You've got a great season that can go up in smoke in three hours and you get caught with an early uppercut and the next thing you know you're in a fight and you feel it all slipping away and guys are coming to the sidelines saying, what the hell's going on out there? And they never have enough time to get back to where they need to be and win the game. And it feels like a fight. It feels like a struggle. And Next thing you know, it's done. Both one seeds lost last year in the divisional round. So I think it needs to be taken seriously. And the question is, can the Chiefs understand that, overcome it, and be on guard against the fact that the Jaguars are coming in loose and confident with this mindset that the pressure is entirely on the home team? Yeah, I, 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 it's a big thing. And I think that's something that you know you and me will be watching in the pregame. 
right? To just kind of see or get a feel for the energies of the two football teams. I think that's very tangible evidence. And uh, I am in- interested to see that. I, you know, it, getting into the X and O's, Mike, you know, I think when I look at it too a little bit, uh, there, there's two things. Jacksonville's offense, we know it's pretty good. They got good balance. But they had issues blocking Kansas City up front in the first game. Uh, Chris Jones dominated the interior part of that offensive line. Brandon Scherf could not block Chris Jones. Brandon Scherf hasn't had a great year altogether, but he really struggled. And, and not many people can block Chris Jones. So they won a lot of matchups there where I like Jaguars balance. Yes, but I'm not sure they're going to be able to consistently run against this group in Kansas City. And I do worry about them if they want to drop back and pass. Because one thing I do that jumped out to me from the first matchup, too, is Jacksonville was a little conservative. They took a few aggressive throws down the field early in the game. They didn't work out, and they kind of didn't go back to the well until later in the football game. That allowed Kansas City to play very aggressive. I think they got even more emboldened to blitz a little bit more, and that's something I'm interested to see too. The the one thing I – with no balance, I'm not sure they can block Chris Jones in the middle, and then the lack of just a burner of speed at wide receiver for the Jaguars – I, I can imagine Kansas City playing maybe a little bit more aggressively in this matchup as compared to the first one. And uh, I think there's some advantages there for the Kansas City defense if they do play like that. Well, and and again, we know how Andy Reid typically does when he has extra time to get ready for anyone. I don't know who they prepared for last week. They probably found time to prepare for every potential opponent they could face in the divisional round. And once they knew it was Jaguars, they focused on them exclusively. The team is rested. The team is recovered. The team is ready. The one risk that I also think, Chris, and I'm still going to deviate away from X's and O's because we didn't make this point. It's all right. Peaking past the Jaguars because that game against the Bills is looming. The AFC neutral site title game. And the Bills – won't have played. They won't know for sure it's going to be Buffalo. They have to assume it's going to be Buffalo. Either way, it's either a Bills team that is desperate to kick their ass or a Bengals team that consistently has kicked their ass. They better not trip up over the Jaguars on their way to what they perceive to be the bigger and tougher game. And and again, I trust Andy Reid to keep his guys focused on the task at hand, but that's still part of this. You've got to be focused on this game and on this team. And I agree with what you said about Chris Jones. Peter King made that point earlier today. He sat in for you, by the way, on PFT Live. And uh, Chris Jones has been a beast, as as much of a dominant presence as Dexter Lawrence has been for the Giants, who we'll talk about coming up. And that, that Chiefs defense, so much focus on the offense this year. And is the offense as good as it was without Tyreek Hill? The defense has kind of quietly held its own all year long. Yes. And Chris Jones arguably has had the best season of his career. Right. Agreed. And, and I, I, I would – Totally agree. Chris Jones is to me. He was he was the guy I voted for first team All Pro defensive tackle. He's uh, I think uh, you know entered that conversation as probably the best interior defensive lineman in football. He's so versatile that way. And to your point too, you know Kansas City on the defensive side of the ball when they played Jacksonville the first time, I think they were just in the process of kind of hey let's expand the playbook on these young guys a little bit. Let's start doing some of the Steve Spagnuolo way will double a guy here and play this coverage over here, right? And that's progressed too. That's going to be different about the matchup as well, let alone I think he trusts those young corners in some of these man-to-man situations. So, uh, again, we know that Jacksonville offense is good, but um, I, 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 I give the advantage to the Chiefs on that side of the ball. And then 
of course, there's the other side of the ball, Mike, with Kansas City's offense against that Jags defense. And uh, I, it's 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 interesting, right, with Kansas City. We know they can throw it and make highlight plays, but they're a different team than we've seen the last five, four or five years here when they've gone deep into the playoffs to where there's a legit run game you have to defend now. It's not just Mahomes throwing the ball all over the world. And I, that changes the aspect of this matchup, too. And Jacksonville's not the best run-stopping defense, and we know that. And Jarek McKinnon has become a real force for that team, had the most receiving touchdowns for a running back since Marshall Falk 20 years ago, and we saw him kind of come of age for that team last year in the postseason. So you're right. It's a very diverse offense. It all centers around Patrick Mahomes, and a healthy Patrick Mahomes is very difficult to beat. A banged-up Patrick Mahomes almost won the Super Bowl two years ago, running for his life from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive line. But one thing we always say about Mahomes, he's got that ability to stay just a split second ahead of the guys who are chasing him. And he runs around with his hair on fire, and everybody else is, like, slipping around on ice trying to catch up to him. He's got that uncanny sense of how his body moves in relation to the other bodies on the field. He makes everybody kind of wobbly inherently because they don't know what he's going to do next, which way he's going to go, when all of a sudden the ball is going to be out. It's like they're constantly worried, like, okay, what's he, you know, what, what, wait, 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 wait. And next thing you know, he's gone or he throws the ball with his other hand or he does that flip he did to McKinnon against the Broncos this year. It really is. I'm I'm glad we're going to be in the building for the latest chapter of Patrick Mahomes doing amazing shit in a playoff game. We take it for granted. We shouldn't. And I won't take for granted the opportunity to witness it. Yeah, no, we shouldn't. You're right. I mean, I got a chance to see practice today and I got goosebumps a few times watching it to your point. Just going, damn, this guy is just, he's special. It just, you feel it. You really do, let alone you see it. And you just go, wow, oh, well, okay. Or just going to casually throw a 50-yard laser up the sideline look like you just flicked it with your wrist. It's amazing how he is. Uh, and, you know, to, to, to all of that, with Mahomes, I mean, you said it, he's magical. But Jacksonville, from you look back at that first matchup, they got to change their approach. Jacksonville could not get close to Patrick Mahomes with their front four. Now, this pass protection, this offensive line, they're real in that department. Jacksonville's been a little disappointing as far as their pass rush. And I, I do think Jacksonville's going to have to probably blitz Mahomes a little bit more than they would actually like. Now, there is a little bit of a silver lining maybe to that too. As the game got late in that first matchup, and they were trying to come back and force, force the issue and maybe make a play or two with their defense, they did get up in the Chiefs' receivers' faces a little bit and played them man-to-man. And I thought, oh, wow, you know, they weren't overmatched. You know, and, and again, that may be something, hey, they missed Tyree Kill. But Kadarius Toney, he's going to be a part of this conversation too. And they got a little taste of him when they played the first time as well. Uh, he, he's a guy that I think can, as they go forward, if he can stay healthy, can fill that void of Tyree Kill, scary guy that can fly down the football field. But Jacksonville definitely has to change what they did. First game, it was too much zone. They didn't do a good job of passing off crossers that we've talked about. And I think if you play zone like we've talked about all year, Mahomes is at a point in maturity now as far as playing in the pocket that he'll be patient. He'll pick you apart. you got to force the issue tactically, take a few chances here and there. And I'm expecting the Jacksonville to do that especially with nothing to lose and the kind of the way it looked the first time, I think they got to do it. How do you think the Andy Reid, Doug Peterson relationship factors into this one? If at all, 
Peterson yeah. worked there in Kansas City with Reed, became the coach of the Eagles, did what Reed couldn't do in Philadelphia, won a Super Bowl, then got fired like Reed did. After a year off, landed in Jacksonville as the head coach. We were talking earlier today about how amazing it is. Certain teams like the Broncos didn't even interview Peterson when he was available to everyone to be hired. But how do you think that relationship will be a factor? They know each other. We've talked in the past right. about what a coach may hold back, what he may keep secret because he fears crossing paths with one of his lieutenants in the future. How do you think that may affect this? I think the first thing is Andy Reid and the Chiefs are going to be on edge about Doug Peterson having nothing to lose and him and trick plays, right? The first matchup, they kicked an onside kick to start the game and recovered it. So I would expect you know, that's the first thing I would worry about. If I was playing Doug Peterson and I'm the Jaguars, I'm sitting there going, wait, they, you know, we're the Chiefs. We're obviously a better football team. I got to think they're going to try to find or steal or find a way to, to steal an extra possession in the matchup. So that's the first thing I'd be on alert for is just, wait, will they fake a punt, do something tricky, whatever. And then the second thing is, you know, to, to what you're saying, I think, and I asked Andy Reid this a little bit. I, I think, you know, they understand what they like to do in certain moments. And I think there's a blend in, wait, you know, he was kind of saying, like, there's certain things we do and we're going to do it because we're good at it. And, yeah, they might know it, but we're good at it. And we're just – we're not going to vary. But we do know there's some things that I think they know if, you know, we're going to zig here, they, they're they going to have something for the zag here. And then that, that's where I think this is, you know, kind of interesting is just do you overplay tendencies? You got to be careful because both these guys are crazy and gutsy and will – change those tendencies up to screw you over. And uh, it's another one of the things that's kind of fascinating about the matchup. Three coaches of the final eight teams have already won a Super Bowl. Reed and Peterson are two of them. And by the way, Peterson and Mike McCarthy, the two coaches left who have the chance to become the first ever to win a Super Bowl with two different teams. McCarthy did it with the Packers. Peterson did it with the Eagles. Let's pivot to that Eagles game. Giants at Eagles. Well, we got to oh, pick the game. Picks we what didn't the pick hell? the game. What we got to make our picks. Doing? What the fuck? All right, never mind. Never mind. We talked it through. It's like we're, we're done. Let's move on. The whole purpose of this is to make the fucking picks. All right, Chris, what's your pick? I'm going Chiefs 35-20, Mike. Uh, I, I think the Jaguars might hang around for a little bit, but ultimately, I think this is the Chiefs team that's on a mission. They're talented. They're playing good on both sides of the football. They understand it's playoff time. We can't mess around and take our foot off the gas pedal at certain times. Uh, and and I, I think the loss to the Cincinnati Bengals in the AFC Championship game still eats at them a little bit. Uh, I, I expect as the game goes on, the Chiefs to show that they're a little bit in a, a different class than the Jaguars. I have seriously considered picking the upset on this one. Very mm. seriously considered I, because I we it. see it happen. Wouldn't yeah. you rather be right about the unthinkable happening than wrong about the predictable happening? I'd rather be right about the unthinkable happening. And I thought it through. And I thought about Saturday as we come to the conclusion of our pregame show and we're all picking and the logos are coming up and it's going to be Chiefs, 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 Chiefs. And we're going to set ourselves up to be a meme for the Jaguars and Jackson DeVille to, you know, do what he does. Uh, yeah. I really thought about it. I really thought about it. 
I really did. And then I also thought about how officials must feel when they have to make a tough call in a hostile environment like Arrowhead Stadium. I would like to get out of there alive. So at the end of the day, my self-preservation instinct has caused me to go with the Chiefs. But I am Chris Mad Dog Russo, just so you know, because Mad Dog's got an issue with us all picking straight up. We do pick against the spread here on the PFT Picks podcast. I take the Jags to cover. Eight and a half is too rich for my blood, as they say. I've got 30 to 27. The Chiefs win. Maybe it's a garbage time touchdown, backdoor cover, but eight and a half is too much for me. I hope it's a classic down to the wire Harrison Butker field goal that delivers the victory. But 30 to 27, Chiefs win. Jaguars cover. I get out of there alive, but at least I'm, I'm saying there's a chance, a real chance for the road team. All right, I, I I hear you. I again, it, it's that's that's going to be the thing to watch here, as far as just how that road team can they play loose and let it go, or are they going to go? Holy shit, we're playing a team that's just we we didn't realize how intense and good they are in situations like this, and you know that's why it's going to be awesome with you and me front and center there Saturday. We'll get to evaluate it all. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, next game, the Eagles hosting the Giants. Seven and a half points. Favorites are the Philadelphia Eagles. They've been a little wobbly down the stretch. They were the team of density as George McFly would say, for much of the season. Then Jalen Hurts suffers a shoulder injury, and they kind of flattened out. The Giants have just kind of quietly gotten better. They were surprisingly good, then it flattened out a little bit, and then they've come on strong down the stretch. They got the big win in Minnesota. They look great in the process. Brian Dayball proving why he got Coach of the Year votes with that ability to outcoach Kevin O'Connell on Sunday in Minnesota. So, division rivalry. Everything else goes out the window. I don't view it as they played twice before. I say, say whoever you're nodding to, say I said hi too. I throw out the window that they've played twice before. I view it as one time because it was the Giants' JV for the second game in Week 18. So all that said, Chris, give me your initial right. breakdown. Start wherever you want to start on trying to figure out where this one's going to go. As your G-men risk having their special season come to a thudding conclusion. Oh, well, you know I'm excited about it for my G-men, for sure. And just so you know, yeah, these are like the camera guys for the Kansas City Chiefs. They just walked in in the middle of it, and, you know, they're trying to be respectful, but it doesn't. they don't have to be. It's all good. I'm in their house. 
All right, guys, you can tell me, hey, get the, fuck get out the hell of here. out. This is my room. <laughs> right. Um, but here's the here's the thing. You're and you're right. I take I I take no I'm not taking anything from the week 18 matchup. You know, backups playing, you know, Eagles being simple, just trying to get things going, jumped out to a 19-point lead, took their foot off the gas pedal. There's not much to glean from that. But what I do look at from the first matchup is this. Here's the the number one. I the Giants and Wink Martindale did a good job and had some answers for that Eagles offense. And that was out without Leonard Williams. Now, I know they put up some points, but I think the, the points are a little bit misleading when you look at it a little bit. One, the Giants had a punt block. But, uh, Boston Scott had a huge kick return. You might remember it was like a 12-play, a 91-yard drive, if I remember off the top of my head. On fourth down, he threw a fade to Devontae Smith up the right sideline. Jordan Love should have intercepted it and kind of waited to cradle in it. And then Devontae Smith went up and got it and ran for a touchdown. That was a that was 41-yard touchdown, you know. So they went 11 plays, 51, 50 yards before that is what I'm trying to explain, is that Wink Martindale and company did some things at least to take away some of the bread and butter aspects of what Philadelphia uh, does on offense. And that's that I found to be, you know, definitely a, a, a positive thing for the New York Giants. They did seem to have some answers there, and Wink Martindale did seem to understand where they wanted to attack in the passing game. They're going to have to continue to play games with the Eagles up front in that offense. Eagles offense is awesome. And where Wink was awesome and what the Giants did is they'd show four-man front, hey, we're going to play pass coverage. And then right before Jalen Hurts would say set hut, they'd put a fifth guy on the, uh, on the line of scrimmage and bring a safety down and it'd be a run-stopping defense. And then, you know, the opposite. Hey, we're in a five-man front. You don't want to run the ball. And then Jalen Hurts checks to, hey, we're going to throw it. And then they'd have one of those guys drop off, and all of a sudden it's pass coverage. So they did a good job playing games with the Eagles, who I think sometimes just go, wait, you're in a run defense? We're going to pass it. Wait, you're in a pass defense? We're going to run it. And they where they really started to take off is in, like, the third and fourth quarter, where they finally just said, screw all this. We're going to run it. We're going to overpower you. And I do worry about that aspect for the Giants a little bit, especially on the edges, as you heard me talk about. The middle linebackers of the Giants are not very good. Those tackles on the Eagles are awesome. So that's one thing there where it gives the Giants a fighting chance, but I still think the Eagles have that advantage there, Mike, because they're just so talented on that side of the ball. By the way, I want to go back a few minutes. If Jordan Love would have been in position to make that interception on fourth down against Devontae Smith, that would have been very impressive. For Jordan Love. Yeah, Julian sorry. Love. Ju- Julian Love, excuse me. It's Thank you. Yes. Common, yes. Common, common mistake, but I just couldn't let that go without just a little bit. Don't, I missed don't. you today, so I got to give you a shit where I can. Good. Okay. Good. Um, a point that we made on Wednesday's PFT Live about uh, Jalen Hurts and when he said there's a bounty on me every game, and that's, you know, that, that's a word that, that, that gets people very uptight at 345 Park Avenue and elsewhere. Here's the bottom line, though. We saw what the Giants did early in the game to Justin Jefferson. Anytime he had the ball, three bodies were on him. Legitimate, legal, but it was gang tackling, it was aggressive, and they were being physical with him. And if Jalen Hurts runs the ball, you're going to see the same damn thing, Chris. Whatever Brian Dayball and Wink Martindale, more importantly, said to his players last week, 
getting ready to face the Vikings. Same thing is being said this week with Justin Jefferson crossed out and Jalen Hurts being put in its place. That's a factor in this. Dexter Lawrence is a factor in this. That guy really is amazing what he's done up front. And him versus Jason Kelsey. Kelsey may wish he had retired when he was pondering it a year or so ago. There's that clip going around where where Garrett Bradbury is hearing Dexter Lawrence sound like John Randall in the old days. Hey, Hey, 56, this is what you signed up for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. he didn't realize what he was signing up for, given what Lawrence did. But, you know, I, I think that, uh, hey, we can't expect anyone to be completely candid and forthcoming about injury status. I don't know how messed up Jalen Hurts' shoulder is. But right. if if he decides to run and he becomes a running back and he stays away from the sideline, remember all the way back in the preseason – the Jets linebacker blew him up, and Nick Sirianni lost his shit. If they get a chance to hit him cleanly and legally, they're going to do it. They are going to do it. Yeah, they are. The Giants are they're physical. And, and and I think to what you're saying, Mike, and you kind of said it during the week, uh, they're different now than when they played the first time because I think the Giants, they, they got mojo going. They really believe in what they're doing. You know, that, that, there is something to that. And then the Eagles – haven't had to play many intense football games here as of late. You know, really only played one game the last, what, four or five weeks, really, that meant anything. So, that, again, like we talked about with the last matchup, the, the psychology of this is fascinating. And now here's the other thing, too, Mike. Just with, you know, the Giants' offense, it was ugly in the first matchup. It was ugly. They, they had a hard time, and it, it, it's hard to look at it and go, oh, wow, wait, they, they could do this or do that and really, you know, maybe expose the Eagles in that department. There was not a lot of positives. Now, the one thing I will say that they're better at for sure now than they were then is their tackles, their offensive line's playing better, and especially, you know, the rookie right tackle, right? He's, he had some moments against Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat there where it, it was trouble, but – this is a different animal on defense compared to the Minnesota Vikings and what we saw last week. And they do, you know, people are on John Gannon a little bit too much, in my opinion. I mean, I, sometimes I have to go, wait, wait, am I fucking seeing this right? Are they the number two defense in football? Or are they the number two defense in football? Like, I, for whatever reason, he gets ragged on there a little bit. And I think also you got to take into account, like, people know you can't stop the Eagles offense. You might be able to contain it. So, you know, the defense gets the kitchen sink thrown out of them at times, certain times. That's where I'm actually more worried about the Giants in this matchup than anything. It's not necessarily their defense versus Jalen Hurts in the offense, which I know is scary, but I just didn't see much positive the first time around from the Giants offense versus the Eagles defense. And, you know, again, the Giants better at receiver, but they're not scary explosive. These Eagle guys, they can cover. They're creative on that end. And for that reason, Mike, that's why I'm going with the Eagles in the football game. Uh, I, I, I'm going to make my pick if wow. you don't mind. I just, uh-huh. yeah, I'm, I, you know, no, I'm I don't mind for the Giants. You know, I'm rooting for the Giants, but emotional uh, hedge. I think that, the emotional well, hedge. Think, He's going to be happy I, either way. Well, I think they hang around and can maybe make things tough, and you know, Eagles might take a little bit to get in the flow. But like I said, I just think it's only a matter of time before the Eagles score their points. I'm going to go Eagles 27, Giants 17. So you also have the Eagles covering along with yeah. winning. Well, look, I was determined to do it with one of the teams facing a top seed coming off of a week off. I almost did it with both. The self-preservation instinct took over in Kansas City. I, I'm, I'm doing it. 
I'm doing it. Wow. I'm going to be an honorary New York Giant Saturday night. I'm going to wear my LT shirt, the one that says a bad motherfucker on it, written by LT, my 56th birthday gift from you. I'm going to have that on, and I'm going to watch the Giants squeak out a 24-23 win. There's just something that they have going on. We saw it. It's a quiet confidence. Daniel Jones – just looks different. Big Cat pointed this out on Twitter. Like, when did he become a superhero? (laughs) When did he get this awesome, huge, uh, chiseled jaw? When when did he become larger than life? It just kind of happened. And here he is. And he's back at the scene of the place where he tripped over the five-yard line. I guarantee you this. He ain't tripping over the five-yard line (laughs) if he gets a chance to bust one. He ran it 17 times against the Vikings. I expect another double-digit rushing attempt. Saquon Barkley has explosion and burst, and he's running for that contract. Isaiah Hodgins, what a story that's been. Cut by the Bills in a numbers game. And as you pointed out on Twitter, I think with an assist from Pete Demolitis, better production since joining the Giants than Gabe Davis, the number two receiver of the Bills, has had since then. And Hodgins is that guy, and this happens every once in a while, where defenses, you know, corners and and safeties have an arrogance to them. Yeah, where. Even if a guy has produced, they're not going to take him seriously. And they're going to look at him. They're going to say, that's not Stephon Diggs. That's not Justin Jefferson. That's not Jerry Rice. He may have given other teams trouble, but we're not even going to acknowledge him by giving him extra attention. We're not going to shade a safety his way. We're not going to roll coverage. We're We're definitely not going to put two guys on him everywhere he goes. He's not that good. And it almost like it needs to be proven to them throughout the course of a game for them to finally wake up and say, holy shit, this guy's good. I feel like that's where Isaiah Hodgins is right now. And I don't think yeah. he's going to get the respect from the Eagles secondary that he deserves. And I think that's going to fuel him having a good game, Jones having a good game, Barkley having a good game, and the Giants stealing this one 24-23. Wow. Wow. I lo- I, hey, I'm, I'm happy. I like it. Make sure you bring your LT jersey to Kansas City so we can watch the game together on Saturday night. Are you are you staying till Sunday morning? You're not taking off like during the Chiefs Jaguars game. You're actually staying uh, one no, more night. There, there was no flights. There was no flights. I mean, I'm hoping the NBC Big Wigs will be here and maybe the private planes here, and I can jump on that. That would be great. But I'm just just that's just wishful thinking right now. <laughs> That that that, sh- that shit don't help me unless they got a parachute available and they happen to be flying <laughs> over Bridgeport, West Virginia. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway. 
And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. So I'm staying until Sunday morning as well, because you're right. There were no night flights out of Kansas City, so we get to hang out yeah. and watch Eagles-Giants. On Sunday, I will be home in time. Thank God they start at 3 o'clock now to watch Bengals at Bills, Really the game of the weekend, the continuation of the Week 17 Monday night game. We all want closure. We all want finality. We all want to see two of the best teams in the NFL square off with the season on the line. The Bills are five-and-a-half-point favorites. The Bengals are salty about everything. The over-under is 48-and-a-half. Chris, again, go wherever you want to go on this one. Right. Uh, you know, it, it's – um. I would really think it's a very even matchup. All right. There's one thing that really bothers me right off the bat. And and you're going to know what it is. In fact, like, I, I don't think, I would think I would clearly pick the Cincinnati Bengals to win this football game if their offensive line was healthy. But that's not going to happen. I mean, you know, with three backups in there on the road in Buffalo, that to me was the one thing that, you know, when they played, and I know it was an incomplete game that first time there before, you know, the tragedy happened, was I went, ooh, wait, Cincinnati can block Buffalo. I wasn't sure they'd be able to block them that way. And then I also got into, ooh, wait, Buffalo was a little concerned that Cincinnati could run the ball on them with that group. Now that they're hurt, that chops a big leg away from that that uh, offensive attack for the Cincinnati Bengals. I have a hard time thinking they're going to be able to run the ball with that group not healthy against, you know, a healthy defensive line from the Bills other than not having Von Miller. And therefore, then the, the, the ripple effects of not being able to run, Joe Burrow's going to have to get the ball out of his hand very quickly. It is in Buffalo. The defensive line's going to have the advantage of jump, you know, getting off the ball quicker. That really concerns me in the matchup, Mike. It does, because I think in a lot of ways, Cincinnati matches up really well with the Buffalo Bills, I think their defense can do a lot of different stuff to Buffalo and give them issues. I don't think Buffalo is going to be able to run on them at all. And, of course, we know they have a good secondary with Cincinnati, and they're creative. Uh, and and that, that's where I'm, I am worried about the Bengals and, 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 and that aspect of uh, this matchup, Mike. Yeah, I agree with you. And I would have leaned Bengals, but for the fact that 60% of the starting offensive line likely not available for the Cincinnati Bengals. I think Joe Mixon, a key player in all this, because if he can still run Chris, despite the depleted offensive line, that can be the thing that opens up the passing game. If Mixon right. finds a way to blast through whatever opening is there or not there and gain yardage and move the chains. And I think of all the Bengals players, he's probably the one that's the most quietly pissed off about everything that's gone on the past couple of weeks. He's the guy that did the coin flip in week 18. He was complaining about the fact that, the Bills and Chiefs are selling tickets to the neutral site yeah. AFC championship yeah. game. Never mind the fact that the Bengals are also also selling tickets to their fans as well for a potential NFC AFC championship game if they would be hosting the Jaguars next weekend, which is entirely possible. That, that, that don't let that get in the way of a good rant. But <laughs> I, I I I just don't I don't know that in that environment on that day, the Bills haven't looked sharp since the DeMar Hamlin situation, but they've still won. I think they're gonna look sharper on Sunday. I think DeMar Hamlin's going to be there. I think that they are going to be over the top fired up and they're going to be buttoned up and they're going to be ready to go. And yeah, as much as I'd kind of like to pick the Bengals, cause I want a little chaos. I, I, 
I got to go with the Bills in this one too. What's your score for it? Yeah, I'm with you there. I think the Bengals have to force something miraculous to happen at least one time, right? Like the Bengals are going to have to get a strip sack fumble or, you know, maybe a great kick return or punt return, something of that nature. But I'm going to go Bills, still in a close one, 27-24. I think they get the win and and play in the AFC Championship. Yep. You are are taking the Bills to cover. We disagree on the spread for the first two and for this one. I think this is one where there will be a cover. 31-24, one touchdown, no big deal. I don't see that as a problem. Um, And... uh, you know, you, you talk about a strip sack or some sort of crazy thing like that. I mean, they can't count on the Sam Hubbard lightning strike two weeks in a row. That was no. incredible. But, I, I, you know, again, the, the Bengals are going to be a factor as long as Joe Burrow's around. He believes it. He's got a different vibe about him as the pressure mounts. That is going to serve the Bengals well, and they will get theirs. They will win a Super Bowl during Joe Burrow's time with the team. It's just not this year. It's going to be Bills, Chiefs, and Atlanta next weekend because the Bills are going to win this one, in my opinion, 31-24. to 24. Then comes the old school get-out-your-Zubaz-pants 1990s playoff rematch, the 92, 93, and 94 NFC Championship game, this time in the divisional round. Cowboys at the 49ers. 49ers are only four-point favorites. That kind of surprises me. Over under a 46. Chris, let's let's uh, let's start with that Cowboys offense that looks so good on Monday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In my mind, I don't know that they can sustain it because they typically don't. Do you think they can perform against the 49ers defense the way they did against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense? I, I do. I don't know if it'll be quite that easy. I, you know, I don't want to say, oh yeah, they can, but. I do think they can pose about as many problems for the 49ers defense as any offense they've faced all year, maybe other than the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I think, one, Dallas is a threat and has the ability to run the ball on anybody. I don't look at any team in football that just go, oh, well, you're, Dallas won't be able to run on them. You know, One thing I'll say again, too, they gave the ball to Ezekiel Elliott too many times last week. There's too many runs where I looked at when if Tony Pollard was in there, that would have been a 20-yard game. Instead, they got three. No, so they're still doing that too much. That bothers me. But I think between the combination of that run game, the 49ers are not overly complex like we've talked about. They kind of just go – they got a few little wrinkles to what they do, but they're, you, you can figure them out as far as what they're going to do schematically. It's their players are awesome, and they keep it somewhat simple to allow them to play fast, and they know what they're really good at, and they also know where they're susceptible to being beat. But I think with that run game, Dak Prescott's ability – to push the ball down the field, and they know how to attack, I think, covers quarters coverage like we saw the Dolphins and the, and the Chiefs do against that 49ers defense to where I don't think this is one where the 49ers are going to be able to sit back at least and look at it and go, oh, you know, we can hold them to 17, and Brock Purdy, if you just, you know, play smart and play within the offense, we'll win the game. I, I think that Dallas might be able to put enough pressure on this 49ers defense to where – it puts pressure on Brock Purdy and company to to answer the bell as well. So it's not a huge advantage for that 49ers defense in this matchup because of Dallas and their talent really at all positions on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, hey, I I still have a hard time seeing anyone beat the 49ers as yeah, long as you. they are healthy. Now, 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 that doesn't mean and and I'm reluctant to say this because I don't want to be the guy who jinxes someone, but they got to get through the whole game. 
Christian McCaffrey could get injured. Debo Samuel could get injured. That would dramatically change what I think about the offense. Nick Bosa goes down. That changes what I think about the defense. Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner, they lose one of their key players. Then then it, it gets a little dicey. But assuming they keep their guys healthy, Chris, I just don't see the Cowboys winning this or keeping it close. And I, I just think it's too much to expect. And I know it's been downplayed all week long by Kyle Shanahan, by Mike McCarthy, by Jerry Jones. The two extra days for Kyle Shanahan to prepare for this are significant. The fact that Dan Quinn is interviewing for the Broncos job while he otherwise should be getting ready to deal with Kyle Shanahan's offense is significant. That all adds up to a huge advantage for the 49ers. They haven't had to travel either game of the postseason. Cowboys had to go from Tampa home to Santa Clara. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and give you my score. I'm not picking a blowout. 24-17 is what I'm going to go with because that's all it takes to cover the spread. But I think it could be worse than that. Yeah, I, I, listen, it's scary. It's, the 49ers are scary good on both sides of the ball. But this is one team that's not going to be intimidated by the freak shows of the 49ers because they're going to go, wait, we got some freak shows here too. And I will say, I'm just as Dallas' defense versus the 49ers' offense, um, I, th- there's things that concern me because we've talked about it. Dallas is small up front, and sometimes when they play these really good overpowering run teams, they got to put too many eggs into stopping that basket. But – I do think Dallas has the guys on the outside that can cover these guys man-to-man. I do. And I think Dallas is one of these teams. And, again, I'm not expecting this because I'm going to pick the 49ers to win the football game too, Mike. But I, I do think Dallas is the maybe the first team that Brock Purdy has played that I go, they might be able to do bluster him a little bit, do some crazy things to go like, oh, crap, whoa, whoa all right. Wait, I don't, I didn't know that blitz and – they got playmakers that I think can, you know, put them behind the chains a little bit and maybe put Brock Purdy and Shanahan in some tough situations. I'm going to go with this one being really close. I think there's going to be a few more points scored in this one than than people think. I'm going to go 49ers 30 to 27 close football game that I think really comes down to a late drive in the fourth quarter for the, the 49ers to win it. Well, that will be a great game if it happens, and we're rooting for great games across the board. So I've got 24-17. Uh, we, we disagree on a lot of the niceties here. It's going to make it fun to watch it all play out starting on Saturday when we're at Arrowhead Stadium where you are now for Jaguars at Chiefs. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Let's get right to best bets. Let's not even take a break. Let's just knock this baby out. Are you ready to go? I didn't see if I'm you, ready to go. We've had the change of plans to go straight to it. All right, go ahead. We're going to do two. We're going to do two. Give me your first one. All right, I'm gonna I'm taking the Chiefs. I uh, I know they're favored by eight and a half. I'm gonna take the Chiefs to win. I got them winning by fifteen. I, again, I don't know necessarily if the the game will look like a fifteen point win, but I think ultimately 
they're going to wear down the Jaguars, and the Jaguars are not going to be ready for four quarters of intense divisional playoff football team versus a Super Bowl caliber team. I think it's going to be kind of a learning a learning lesson for for that group. I'm going to take the over in Chiefs Jaguars fifty three. I want a lot of points, 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 points. Now, the score I've picked is only 57, but it's still over. I'll take the over as my best bet. I think there's going to be a ton of points, and if the Chiefs blow them out, it's not like the Jaguars are only going to score 10 points. They're going to get into the 20s. If the Chiefs win easily, they're going to be in the 30s. It's going to get above 53 pretty quickly. All right, what's your next one? All right, I'm I'm going to take the Eagles. I am. The seven and a half, it's scary. I don't know if I just trust. I know. I don't trust the other games. And I could see the Giants hanging around in the game being, you know, 24-17 with seven or eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. But I think that's going to be annoying for the Giants, too, if they have to get too much into a passing football game where I could see the Eagles scoring, you know, late and putting them away. I know I'm picking 27-17, but what I guess I'm saying is I wouldn't be shocked if it's 38-17 to either. Well, I said the same thing about 49ers, Cowboys. I picked 24-17. I think it could be worse than that. I will go with the 49ers as my second best bet. I don't see them losing this game, and I think four. It's just one of those point spreads that just meat and potatoes, pasta and meatballs, they tell me yeah. this, is, this should be higher than it is. All right, uh, last item of business before we wrap up. Folsom Prison Blues, the one game straight up. If you're lying, not dead, but dying in a gutter, because if you're dead, it's too damn late. Dying in a gutter, what's the one game you'd take this weekend straight up? Uh, Eagles over the Giants, for sure. You know, I feel confident about the Chiefs over the Jaguars, but that scares me. I'm telling on you. I'm texting Brian Dayball right now, who has received his box of Ashton Cabinet number six cigars, the prize for being the PFT coach of the year. He's very happy about that, but he's not going to be happy when he finds out that the son of Phil Sims picked his team to lose straight up, to not cover the spread. And of all the games this weekend, it's the one that Chris Sims feels most comfortable and confident about that his Giants are going to lose. All right. Uh, I'll take the 49ers. There's right. no way the 49ers are losing this game. I don't care. Cowboys drag me. I don't care. They, they, I, they, they, they what happened Monday night is not happening again. I, 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 I won't believe it until I see it. And even if I see it, I won't believe it. All right. Well, it's gonna be fun. We're going to have a good weekend. We'll have some good disagreements. We'll be able to talk a lot of shit to each other on Monday. Well, we'll have a good time and I'll see you there tomorrow. And that's it. Bye-bye. See ya. Damn. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.